You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Hey, this is Raj Batash coming at you from the On Call Empath. Today, I'm super, super excited for my next guest, Candace Vandell. There was a time before this whole podcast even started, um, you know, I was looking into empaths and codependency and narcissism, the pain body, all of these things. Um, I was going all over the internet trying to find one person that could tie it all up and make sense in my brain. Um, you know, I went to so many different people, but it just wasn't clicking. Once I was able to locate and find Candace Vandell, I started look, looking at her videos and the work that she did, and it just resonated with me. And that's where I learned a lot of things on why I do the things I do, but it also um, kind of pushed me to help others and become a coach and and start this community with the on-call empath. She's a part of the elite series. So she is the best out of the best. And that's why I created the elite series. You're going to get high caliber guests on every episode. And she clearly fly, uh, falls in that category. So sit back, relax, and definitely don't miss this episode because I am definitely going to uh, go back and listen to it myself because I learned a lot from it. But if you have been through any type of trauma, trauma bond, um, self-sabotage, codependency issues, this is an episode you do not want to miss, guys. So with that said, without further ado, thank you with coming with me on this podcast journey over 150 interviews, hundreds of uh, guests all over the world. And now we're going to end it with the season two finale with Candace Vandell. Stay tuned and let's go ahead and get started. You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Another episode of the On Call Empath. And this is a very special episode that we just decided to do on the fly. So you're going to get the raw, unadulterated, um, no edited version of the On Call Empath. My true honor and someone that I look up to very much, uh, Candace Vandell is a author, speaker, and uh, welcome to the On Call Empath. I'm so honored to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So <laughs> for my audience that um, probably may, may have heard of you, can you just kind of tell us like what you do and what you're up to? Yes. Um, gosh, I love that we just did this on the fly. This I love it. Yeah, let's do so it. <laughs> Nothing planned. I love it. Um, so I am a spiritual coach and healer. I um, always had these really intuitive, interesting gifts that as most of us have when we're younger, we feel weird. We feel different. We don't really know how to hone into it because a lot of people don't understand it. We don't have the proper mirror. So I've made my life, dedicated my life to helping other highly sensitive people and empaths see the gift rather than the trauma that comes from it and really healing those emotional wounds from being misunderstood our whole lives. And and really when we can start to get past emotional wounds and heal them and integrate them, we become a whole person, the person we were born to be that our society never really allowed us to be. I hate to say it, but it is the case. So I go into all different aspects of it. I coach people who are, you know, 13 to 81. It doesn't really matter because everyone has the same experience when you really come down to it. So I coach, I, I have monthly memberships, I have courses, I have books, I have YouTube. I just love it. I do it you all. You do it all. <laughs> do it all. 
And you are very good at what you do because I've been listening to your YouTubes uh, for a couple of years now. And even in my dark at mo moments, um, it would just click with me because I think we spoke before about going to the right person. You can go to a therapist or a coach, but if they don't have that background experience or have that, uh, you know, something that they went through themselves, it's really hard to kind of deal with uh, the issues that I was having at the time. And I think we've talked about this, uh, especially with cultural norms and, and things like that. Is is that something that you would agree with? Like when someone, when especially with your clients, when they come to you, is it something like, hey, I've tried everything. I've tried the medication route. I've tried the therapist route. And then they come oh, to you yeah. and it's like, boom. I'm getting chills because I remember, and I appreciate you saying that because I remember going through so much hardship and confusion and pain as a child and a young adult and thinking, why do I have to go through all this shit? And now I realize, <laughs> cause I have to teach it from a place of wisdom and integrity, not just, you know, reading a book, but for me, most everyone who comes to me says, I come to you cause you've been there. You fucking get it. Yeah. And I, because I've been there, I can walk you out of things the way I walked myself out. And I, I love the fact that my life is my teaching. I grew up thinking no one fucking gets it. Why does no therapist understand? Because they didn't go through it. They're not a true healer. A lot of therapists aren't true healers. Right. They are therapists and they've studied the craft and they get it, but they can't, you know, empaths and highly sensitive people are looking for someone to emote with them. Hello. Like you get me, you feel me. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm not alone. Yes. I'm not traumatized because yes. I'm suffering because I'm alone in my experience. I'm sitting there saying, yeah, of course you feel that way. Of right. course that's valid. Of course, that's what you're doing. Of course, you acted that way. Why are you blaming yourself for cutting yourself or whatever the hell people do to relieve pain? Right. I always say, of course, that's what you did. Right. And most of us grow up thinking, oh my God, you get me? Holy shit, it's like a miracle. And so, yes, I would say absolutely that's the case. And I think that's huge. I mean, just validating somebody rather than, because like if somebody been through some sort of trauma and they don't get you and they're not validating it because that's what we're looking for, especially empaths. We already are people pleasers. We already have problems with boundary settings <laughs> and being in large crowds and, and so on and so forth. But let's take it all the way back for all of you empaths out there. This is definitely, I know like a lot of my clients that are tuning in when you're starting off as a child and you don't get the uh, love and attention that you need. Can you explain what happens, not just with the brain, like how it, it starts to uh, play tricks on us later on in life, in adulthood, especially with work, dating, um, just going through the motions of life. Why is that so critical at a young age to make sure that you have the right needs met? Because we, the way we, in a nutshell, most empathic, highly sensitive people have an issue with identity. They have uncertain identity because nobody <clears throat> is saying, nobody's confirming your perception and your reality. No one's saying, yes, you're lovable. Of course you're amazing. No one's doing that. If you're not getting your natural needs met, you're thinking something's wrong with what you need. You're thinking something's wrong with what you feel. You can't trust yourself. So then you literally abandon your inner guidance and you attached to an external source, which makes you codependent. Now you're dependent yeah. on undependable people because nobody knows what you need more than you, but they're making what you need wrong. Wow. Just think about that. When someone makes your basic needs wrong, there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. 
which is what we all grew up thinking. I'm not enough. <laughs> there's something wrong with me. I'm misunderstood. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how to understand myself. What I spend my days and weeks and years doing is letting people know that everything you need makes sense because you're highly sensitive. Right. Of course, you're going to need more validation. Of course, you're going to need because the world doesn't understand you. Mm-hmm. We don't have a highly sensitive world. We have the yeah. opposite. So a lot of highly sensitive kids are coming to the world being misdiagnosed with shit because they're doing <laughs> things differently. So now yeah. there's definitely something wrong with you. And you're like, oh, it's confirming my feeling. There's something wrong. It's such a terrible spiral. So that mirroring in childhood is everything. Yeah. It's, that's what it's, I do. I mirror people now because kids didn't get it. Adult kids need it. Right. And so just kind of switching gears here, yeah. when we don't get those met, Mm-hmm. then we go look for them, not only just in the dating realm, but like, let's say we start looking to narcissists. And we talked about this a little bit before the show, that that can be very detrimental to our overall health, because physically, you know, this from, from your um, issues that you had recently, but yeah. like things that happened years ago are coming to I mean, it's coming now with headaches and, you know, migraines and all of this. Can you explain the pain body, just how that works, especially with trauma and narcissism? Oh gosh, there's, we need, do we have five hours? <laughs> we, there's so much. We'll do here. the okay. short Let version. Yeah. yeah clip <laughs> okay. So trauma bonds are huge. Here's the thing. And this can mean you could have the most well-intended parent on the planet earth that just doesn't understand you because they're not highly sensitive and you're not going to be properly mirrored. Right. So it, it, it could be that you just don't have a fit. So let's just pretend that's the case. Let's pretend your parents awesome, but it's not a fit or your mom's selfish or whatever. So you grow up thinking I need external because I'm stripped of my own confidence. So I need validation that I'm okay. So what we do, first of all, you have to understand I'm already in a trauma bond. I'm already in, let's say, an attachment trauma, which means the attachment I have with my caretaker isn't super connected all the time. Something's off. So that's a trauma bond. A trauma bond is when I'm depending on someone undependable. I can't depend on you for my emotional needs, but I have to, to survive. Right. (laughs) So then what happens is we have an emotional imprint, which says that's familiar. Not, I like that, but that's familiar. So that's what I know. So then we get into those relationships with narcissistic people who seem really confident, who control things. And since we don't trust ourselves, we want someone to make the decision. So we don't do it wrong. So there's not something wrong with us. Sure. Right. So we like someone who's love bombing us and making us feel special because we're insecure and we have self-esteem issues. Let's be real. And we're like, oh my God, they're giving me all this amazing attention. So now we're bonded to someone who's giving us this fantasy love. Right. Because the fantasy saves (laughs) us. And what happens every single time with that fantasy love is your inner guidance starts to feel anxious. Something Mm -hmm. starts to feel, uh uh-oh. And what what you're feeling is you're feeling yourself start to mold into what they need so you can Mm -hmm. feel safe. So we start to lose ourselves in this. Why? Because as children, we didn't have mirrors. We couldn't fully be ourselves anyway. So we're used to giving up parts of ourselves and compromising our truth. So then we're in this relationship that we're dependent on because we can't really depend or trust ourselves. And I need you because you're my confidence and you're my love and whatever the hell. And then they get the control. They get the control because your vulnerability is now being controlled. And then what happens is you're in a trauma bond of control and then they start to degrade you. And you're like, oh my God. (laughs) And then eventually discard. And so what what we sort of understand is that 
this is what I learned through my, you know, experiences with narcissists is when they don't love you the way that you need to be loved. What you're really being taught is how to love your damn self. But what we do is we look for another one. We look for a love addiction, another one, another one. A healed empath will start to realize, oh my God, I can depend on my damn self financially. Right. I can depend on myself physically. I can depend on myself emotionally, which is the hardest <clears throat> piece because that's the first piece we didn't have validated was our emotional needs. So the last piece to heal these trauma bonds is becoming really emotionally sovereign and realizing I can handle this shit. But as we sort of wean ourselves off these relationships, which is the hardest thing. It's like a drug addiction or withdrawal. Yeah. Is withdrawal. I have multiple videos on it because it happened. <laughs> and the withdrawal is the trickiest, most painful part. People think, oh, this is one of the biggest misconceptions. <laughs> I'm away. I'm away from the narcissist. I've gone no contact. I'm going to be amazing. No, you're going to go through shit. You're gonna hell go through yeah. Hell, hell. hell. <laughs> when you do no contact, get ready to <laughs> suffer. <laughs> Suffer. That's when the pain begins, guys. That's when the pain begins. And most people are like, oh, I'm so excited. I can find myself again. I'm so excited. I'm like, no, you're going to lose yourself even more until you hit that point where you're like, I can't handle it anymore. And then you'll come alive when you don't go back to them. So it takes about a month of depression. It's a little bit of depression because you feel, you know, not to be totally scientific here, but the truth is you go through a chemical withdrawal in your brain. Your dopamine levels, your serotonin levels are being messed with. Because your drug is gone. It's a love drug. Your drug is gone. You have nothing outside of you to attach to. What you're being taught is to attach to you. Healthfully Mm -hmm. attach to self so that your attachment trauma to self can heal so that you can have a healthy relationship and recognize it and actually be attracted to it. Right now, you wouldn't be. You'd be like, that's boring. It does nothing for me. It's not a drug. Right. And we won't realize this until after the fact because I know a lot of my clients can't wait to cut this narcissist off the day it happens a week later, they're in the dumps and they are withdrawal doing addiction to cope and they're doing all these things. But is there any way to lessen the blow? Can we go into like maybe a supportive environment and live into live or just reach out to a friend and saying, look, I'm going to be screwed up for a month. I need you checking in with me every day. Yes, it's much longer than a month, but a month, it's going to be really bad because people don't know what's going on. This is what they think. Oh my God, I must've been so in love with him or her. I got to go back because I'm in like pain. I can't, I can't live. And I say, perfect. Real love doesn't feel like that. So, you know, it's a trauma bond. So Mm. what happens is, and so when you start educating yourself on what you're experiencing, it's very supportive because you're like, (laughs) okay, these are the stages of a trauma bond and withdrawal. You have to have support around you who understands it so they can remind mm-hmm. you because your brain's going to be like, nope, it's just true love. I've got to go. Yeah. And you go and you get the fix and it feels amazing. Like, holy shit, I feel amazing. I was right. I'm in love. And then a week later, you feel scared. Why? Because you know, you just put yourself back in a bad position and now you're going to have to yeah. do it again. So you get the hit and it feels amazing. And then a couple of days later, you're like, oh no, because you yeah. know, internally, you don't know, but you know, right. this is bad for me. But you think it's great because the pain just went away when you even get a phone call or a text. Right. The pain goes away. Yeah. This is why the no contact is really, really important. So it takes a long time to sort of wean yourself off the depths of the emotional hell of yeah. losing the drug. And then what I used to do, because I used to go through it, obviously, is I would do the counterintuitive thing, 
which is extreme self-care and self-love. Every time I felt like reaching out to the person or whatever the hell or the wine or whatever right. people do, a lot of people go to other addictions to kind of heal that addiction. What I would do is I would do the most annoying thing on the planet because I knew it's what I had to do. And I would just do something really good for myself. And I would constantly do that. I would mm -hmm. have a new you know, hobby. I bought another piano because I'm like, I should probably take piano right. again. I would do all these things. I would focus on my work. The more you focus on you, it's funny. Yeah. You realize that's the antidote. Right. Because what you've been taught your whole life is that's selfish to focus on you. That's why you're with a narcissist. Yeah. So yeah. what we have to do is the exact opposite of what we've been taught is focusing on you. Mm -hmm. Love, care, drink. Don't eat crazy shit. Do it sometimes because you're self-soothing. You're like, right. okay, I'm not going to judge myself. I need the candy. But then be like, okay, let me put myself on a schedule to get things done. So I'm working on myself while I'm feeling like I'm dying. Because it feels like death. It really uh, does. No, I I've, <laughs> I've, I can contest to that. Because even when I went away from the narcissist one time, I thought that if I work and ask for more hours, like 60, 70 hours a week, that that would be... And it was, it was working for maybe a couple months you're avoiding the pain <laughs> i woke up one morning and went straight to the er they yeah. didn't know what was going on with me <laughs> <laughs> and it was like because i kept repressing it over and over i'm like yes. so yes. you can't you can't like trick yourself you're you're it's like your brain is smart like your mind is smart <laughs> you cannot you can't you can't negate the inner work for too long because your body will react and so for me i'll be honest with you for about 20 years of my life, I started doing this work when I was really young, like nine years old, I started reading spiritual books. Okay. So for a lot of years, I read everything, but I didn't apply it. Mm -hmm. And about 15 years ago is when I started my life change. Cause I started actually doing the work and making the changes and doing the hard things. And what we understand through that, I was saying to you earlier, I had migraines every single month for years and years and years because yeah. I wasn't doing it. And as soon as I started doing the work, I didn't have any more until recently when I had a big episode right. that happened in my own life. But what I also know about migraines, by the way, if a lot of HSPs are watching this, you probably have them because a lot of us do. But my mom told me the other day, she was, Candace, I had my first stroke. They call it a stroke-like mm -hmm. migraine where you can't talk. Like you literally lose neurological mm. function. You can't speak. You can't feel your lips or half your body. Sure. And uh, I can't see. So I get the ocular thing too. So I get incapacitated. And she said, you know, the first time I had when I was eight years old and we just had a flood and we lost our, a lot of our stuff in our house. And she said, you got the migraine when everything was relaxed again. When you relaxed from the stress is when your body was like, Bleh, right? Because mm -hmm. we're so hyper vigilant all the time. Yeah. Peace. With yeah. this last little bout in the hospital for my first time in 12 years has happened. I realized that I had just come down from my divorce. I had just come down from this relationship. I had just come down from things and finally started to chill after a year. And when I finally started to chill, cause I had gotten myself away from anything toxic. My body was like, it was basically like, thank you, but let me mess with you. So you never do that again. <laughs> so wow. what's interesting about this is it's like a surge. It's like a surge of relaxation because you're so wound up. You're so stressed. So the whole point of this process is if we don't do the inner work, we'll be forced to. 
our bodies will shut down. So what I've learned over the years is I do clearings all day, every day. I mean, I've got like a million candles everywhere. Right. I clear, but what we have to also do is clear emotionally. And what that means and what HSPs and empaths don't want to do is you have to cut ties with toxic individuals hundred percent. Cause if you don't, mm. like we talked about working in the system, if you don't, your energy field is taking it on. You can't handle it. You literally can't. And it's forcing you these, like, I would say, high sense perception energy fields we have are forcing us to live in a space that reflects us. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, we are incapacitated. And it could happen anytime, guys. So <laughs> so wrapping up here, um, I just want to give you the last word, Candice, and want to just have you talk directly to my audience, all the empaths, the highly sensitive and the trauma victims that possibly could have gone through narcissist abuse or they're planning to leave their narcissist or maybe they're just not over their their abusers what can you leave them with today that they can start to kind of use right away so the first thing i would say is that it's going to be confusing you're going to question if you're doing the right thing you're going to question if they're really a narcissist because they're so nice at this time and they did Mm -hmm. this for your family right i have so many clients who know better but then they're like, but he this or she that. I'm like, please, let's just stay on topic here. <laughs> what we have to do is we have to look at the times that are not acceptable and remember that that's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. I was in one of these relationships for so many years, I don't even want to say. And what I learned at the end of the relationship is it does not change. Mm-hmm. So please take the advice of someone who's been through it and has been traumatized through it, that it it does not change. And people are afraid, well, if I don't fix myself, I'll just attract another one. It's not about fixing yourself, it's about loving yourself. And so what we need to do as we're trying to leave and maybe not even ready to leave is that I still love myself more. And even if I don't love myself, I'm committed to loving myself enough where not, this is the other problem. People think, well, if I get strong enough, I don't have to leave them. That's a lie. This is what I want to say. This is what I say in all my courses. If someone with a really amazing immune system drinks poison, they're still going to be affected by the toxins in the poison. No matter how healthy you get, a toxic energy is going to mess you up. I've seen it with myself. I can go around narcissistic people now. I'm like, ooh, the difference is when you love yourself, you have the boundary and the discernment to choose yourself over that toxic love because it's not real love. And you're going to test it. You're going to do all that. But you have to realize it's not about being strong enough. It's about being in self-love enough to say, I know that I deserve better. Even if I don't think I do, I know somewhere inside me that I do and I will. If I stay on the path of leaving this thing that didn't love me even as much as I know I can love myself. That's what I'll say. And it's so hard for people to get, myself included. I would always go back and I'd be like, but it's so amazing. That <laughs> love, that fantasy, It's he was everything yeah. to me. And then you're like, oh, that's the problem. I need to be everything for me. Yeah. It's one of the toughest things that uh, I hear all the time because I think empaths trying to value themselves and learning how to self-love is is definitely a challenge, but it can be done and you're living proof of that. (laughs) Oh, it can be done. And the other thing is when you do it, I was telling my client, like I have these groups that I, um, that I coach every week. And in one of the groups, a couple of weeks ago, I was saying, you guys, you don't understand, like we're this collective energy. So if one of us heals, all of us feel it. It's kind of cool. And I said, you understand, like 
the experience of emotional sovereignty, you think the most amazing feeling is having someone else love you the way you need to be loved, but it's not the truth. The truth is loving yourself the way you need to be loved is so incredible because you realize now relationships feel different to me now. Now they feel like I have everything that I need. So I get to share with you and there's less stress on you and expectation. Yeah. I don't need shit from you. Yeah. I get it from me and I won't leave me for you. And so I know what a healthy thing is and what it feels like. And it gets more fun because you're like, oh, he's acting or she's acting this way that used to exactly. trigger me when I was insecure. And now you're like, I don't care. It's mm. fine. That's not, the person isn't living for me to take care of me. I'm living for me to take care of me. And when you do mm -hmm. that, you're like, shit, I'm kind of a badass. And you feel strong and you feel in control of your own emotions. And this is what empaths don't realize is everything that we give to others, if we were to do it in reverse, dang, that's amazing. To support yourself yeah. the way you support others, to think about yourself yeah. as much as you are busy thinking about others, to love yourself yeah. as much as you give to others. Think about that. It feels so strange to us mm -hmm. i asked a, one of my clients i'm like if you shower your kids and your friends with all these gifts during the holidays you tell them that you love them you tuck them in and you give them everything you want but you don't do that for yourself why is that can what you explain it? to me why is that and then they don't have an answer they're like oh i can tell you why that is <laughs> Because it's, it's like uncertainty. It's such a foreign experience. And also I will say this and everyone watching this probably can relate to this. And I yeah. am going to say this. We are so, there's this subconscious fear in us that if I love me, if I'm me, I'm in danger. So yeah. it's not safe to love myself the way that I did when I was a child. It's not safe to know myself and own myself right. because they kept taking it away to tell you that you're not safe being you in this world. But that's the lie. Mm. The, the lie is you're not safe giving you to everyone else in the world, but you. And there's a, there's a risk of getting criticism and not getting accepted and put down, especially if you're younger and you're under, let's say your, your parents, or you're under somebody you're married to, who's a narcissist. Yeah. You don't have a voice because you're going to get punished for even trying to come out on your own. The other thing that narcissists like to punish just so everyone can put this into context they like to punish you when you are independent. Oh, absolutely. So in a way, your safety <laughs> is being codependent, which means thinking of others. That's your safety. What I've learned the hard way, it's fine. I made it. What I learned the hard way is that when you're independent and they don't like it and it makes you feel scared, uh-oh, I should. When you're needy and you're emotionally like a wounded bird, they eat it up. They love it because then they get to be the savior, right? But as soon as become your own savior they get really changed by your power so what have we learned give away my power it has to be about everybody else so what we do what we do in reverse is let me take the shadow work let me take all the power back be in it not abandon myself not reject myself not anything myself but be myself guess what happens you're not going to feel safe in an unhealthy environment, but you will actually feel really safe in the healthy one that you're creating. Because when people see that you are in your power, the right people who like that power are not toxic individuals. No, They're also in their power. This is like a whole new world for us. And we don't realize yeah. it's literally not that you're going to try to be something new in an old world. No, you're in a whole new world when yeah. you start to really own yourself and be yourself. But what's hard for us is, uh-oh, they don't like it when I'm like that. It must, it must be wrong that I'm in my power. Yeah. 
No, it's wrong for them that you're in your power and they feel powerless. Very, they feel very uncomfortable and they don't like you having your own mind and doing your own thing and being independent. Their insecurities. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's so true. And so just wrapping up here, um, I want to give you the opportunity just to kind of tell the audience what you're doing um, in the future and some of the awesome courses and things that you have going on. I know you have a lot of uh, soul labs and truth rooms and all this kind of stuff going on. If you can kind of explain what all that is to my audience, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I am so passionate about it. I'd love to tell you guys. So my signature course is emotional rehab. What it is, this is a 12 week program to heal emotional wounds for highly sensitive people so that you change your relationship dynamic. So everyone who's highly sensitive I think should check out this course at one time or another. The people who have, it's life-changing. And then after that, I developed this advanced course called Shadow Work because I did it based on my own life. Once I healed my inner wounds, I realized I had some shadow work to do because I was still putting my power in people and things. And I just wanted to be completely integrated. And so I built shadow work when I started doing all my shadow work. And what that does is it shows you the mother wound, the father wound, the tribal wounds that you take on as a highly sensitive person and don't realize it's not even yours. So you get to give back all the shame and take all the power out of the shadow Mm -hmm. and own it. See where you put it in people, see who you look up to, see what you're jealous of, see what you're envious of and be like, holy shit, those are the parts of me that I was never allowed to own until you give yourself the permission Mm -hmm. slip. So those are my two massive courses that I do four times a year because they're so popular. And then I have my Truth Room Tribe, which is my monthly membership for highly sensitive people around the world that meets once a week. And all those people become besties. It's kind of amazing. We've been doing it for three years now. I mean, they're my family. I'm like, let's just all spend a holiday together. Um, And the thing I'm bringing back in 2022, which I'm super excited about, is my mini group coaching. I do a lot of one-on-one all day long, but I like the groups because when you relate to other people, you're like, holy shit, I'm not alone. And it becomes really intimate and really intense healing. So those are groups of five people that I'll be starting to do in January. It's called the inner work because if you don't Mm. do the inner work, you can't do anything. And it's all about narcissistic abuse and codependency and healing that for the last Mm -hmm. time. So those are the offerings. My YouTube channel is free. So you get a lot of lessons for free on there and my workbooks and things, but these are the things I'm really excited about right now. Yes. And I will say this on right on the podcast, like you literally changed my life when, before I even started this podcast long time ago, I was in a dark space and I was just scrolling through YouTube and I just, your, your YouTube just kept popping up and I I would take nuggets of little pieces of every YouTube video. And I was just like, how come like when I go somewhere to talk about it, they, they're, they don't, they're not understanding what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like this, like, it was like a switch that went off. And so I started studying more of a lot of the stuff you were saying, inner child work and codependency and why we think the way we do and, and how to safely, you know, get away and, and live a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been a true honor and I will keep this episode very close to me. And um, I appreciate you being a guest here. Well, that really made my day. Thank you for saying that because 
for me to do this work and have it benefit others like us, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone can relate, but not everyone can relate to us, which is interesting, but yeah. have it benefit us. It makes all my pain worth it. And I always yeah. say our pain is our biggest purpose. And to be able to change that in my life and really turn that around, I know I can help others do it. I've done it for years now and it's mm-hmm. incredible. Every time someone comes to me and says, you're the one that got me and now I get yeah. myself, I'm like, yes that's the point. So thank you. Yes. And I always said to myself, like, I want to do something in this world that it doesn't feel like a job, but I'm making a difference. What can I do? Cause I don't want to go back to a normal nine to five job type stuff. Yeah. It was a podcast and helping people. And it just yeah. doesn't feel like a job for me. This is something I love doing and having great people like you on here. So thank you so much. Yes, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that does it for this elite coaches series. This is the finale episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We have season three coming up. All the uh, show notes will be on the bottom. Check her out. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me or Candice. And we are out. You're listening to Beyond Call Impact.